Hi, this is Debbie Taylor-Williams. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so glad you're here and pray the Lord will speak to you through this message. Let's get started. I hope you all have your listening guide because we are starting in Acts 13 and we are seeing the continuation of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. So what this book of Acts is, we are getting to see God work. We are getting to see God in action. And if you are joining us for the first time today, we welcome you with wide open arms. Let us know how we can help you. But this is what we've been seeing is God working. He worked in the Old Testament. God the Father did in the pre-incarnate Christ. We see that how Jesus worked when he had his time of earthly ministry. And now we are seeing the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And even though he is invisible, God is spirit. We are seeing him manifest himself in incredible ways. And what was begun in the early church through the Holy Spirit is to be continuing through you. So when you read these scriptures, you and I are being mentored. We are being taught through the role model of Paul, through the role model of Barnabas. We are seeing how do you operate? How do you live with contrary people? How do you live? How do you operate with people who say they're religious, who say they're, they know they're going to heaven, but they, they are obstinate and they actually even deny the things of God? So this is the most practical book in the whole world that we could be studying for our time and our day and all our culture. Could I hear you say an amen to that? Amen. Get out your listening guide for those of you who like to take notes. We are seeing that the Holy Spirit sets apart and sends Barnabas and Saul uh, from Antioch, Syria, to Cyprus, and then on to Pisidian Antioch, where the word of the Lord is spread. And we are getting to see the fulfillment of Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And it's happening. Can I just hear a great big woohoo? Because if it had not happened, we would not have entrance into the kingdom of God. Could I hear a bigger woohoo? We are so excited. Yes, Jerusalem, it's spread. Yes, Judea, Samaria, it's spread. Yes, we are the remotest parts of the earth. And so God, we praise you and we thank you for these servants that you sent out. In total, Paul's missionary journeys took him over 1,200 miles. And today we're going to be looking at this first area, his first missionary journey in Acts 13, and we'll continue next week. We will then, in today's, see how the Holy Spirit does set apart. I've already shared this with you. And so let's read in Acts 13. We're going to see Acts 13 begins with the Holy Spirit and closes with the Holy Spirit. Now, there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And right here we see the diversity of the people at this Antioch church, which was going to become and was now the home base for the spread of Christianity. What began in Jerusalem is now it being spread through mainly the church of Antioch. The missionaries will return there. They'll go back out. And so we're seeing how God is using this place, Antioch, and the church, and the diversity of people. So if you ever have somebody say, well, I just don't think I would fit in. Wrong. Yes, 
we have such a diversity. Simeon was a black African. Lucius was a, a Grecian Jew from North Africa. Manan was a Jewish aristocrat. Barnabas was a Grecian Jew from Cyprus. And Saul was a trained Pharisee. And so we see the diversity here. I want us first to see this point in verses 1 through 5, that it is while they are ministering, and let's go ahead and read that, because it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and I hope you just, your eyes popped out and you thought, wow, the Holy Spirit can talk? Did any of you think that? The Holy Spirit can talk? People can hear? What the Holy Spirit says, it says the Holy Spirit said. Say the word said with me. Said. The Holy Spirit said. Say that with me. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said. And friends, the Holy Spirit is still speaking. In Exodus 29, 42, when God was uh, t speaking and he was talking to the people and he was talking to them about the tent of meeting and he said, there I will meet with you and speak with you. God desires an intimate relationship with you, not just for salvation after you die and go to heaven. God wants to meet with you and speak with you. And oh, friends, that ought to make us just want to carve everything out of our calendar to make sure that we have that time every day. And I suggest starting first thing in the morning to meet with the almighty creator of the whole universe. Oh, it's just so precious. Wow. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salimus, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. So I want us to look at some keys to hearing the Spirit. How many of you would like some keys to being able to hear the Spirit of God in your life? I'd like to see all your hands pop up. The first key word is the word while. How many of you remember us seeing this word before? While, W-H-I-L-E. You remember? While they were praying, while they were fasting, things happen while you are working and doing and in the Lord's presence. It is in the midst of our ministering to the Lord. It is in the midst of our praying. It is in the midst of our serving that we are able to hear the Holy Spirit speak. The second key word that we see it's important to hearing the Holy Spirit is ministering. Now, I know some of your Bibles, the NIV, may have the word worshiping, but worshiping is really not the best translation from the Greek. The true word from the Greek translation is the word ministering, and it's from a Greek word of Christians serving Christ and praying. It's where we get the word liturgy today. It is your spiritual service of work to the Lord that is spoken about in Romans 12, 1, when it says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. And so our lives are to be a continual sacrifice to the Lord God. It is a conscious awareness. Just say that with me. Conscious awareness and mindful intention. Say mindful intention. Mindful intention that it is Christ whom you are serving. So when 
you are in your discussion group, when you are leading the children, when you are taking a meal to someone, it is the Lord Jesus whom you are serving. You are not just doing an act of service for somebody else. If the Lord has called you to that job, then it is the Lord Jesus Christ that you are serving. And so while you are going about that very thing, while you're preparing for that very thing, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. When I'm at home and I'm studying, I am ministering to the Lord. It is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving when you are doing your study questions because you want to be a better equipped vessel to speak with other people. You want to grow as a royal priest in the royal priesthood of Christ. Keep in mind, mindful intention, that it is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving. And we also see another word here. It's used twice, and that is the word fasting. Say that word with me. Fasting. While they were ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, and fasting. Friends, I don't know about your church, but I was not raised where fasting was even a topic or a spiritual discipline that was discussed. And in some churches, it is done for a season around the Easter. In the biblical context right here, they were not giving up TV. They were not giving up chocolate. The biblical word for, for fasting means to abstain as a religious exercise. As a religious exercise from food and drink. And Jesus, even when he spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, when you fast, when you fast, when you fast. When John's disciples said to Jesus' disciples, why are your disciples not fasting? He said, well, while the bridegroom is here, they won't fast. But when the bridegroom is gone, they will fast. Fasting is an intentional desire to either rid yourself of some sin, to increase your sanctification to the Lord, to mourn over the sins of yourself or the nation, and it is a spiritual discipline. It is very important, and it does not hurt your body if you do, as the Lord uh, leads you to fast. Years ago, years and years ago, I read author Wallace's book, God's Chosen Fast, and it was at that time that I was struggling with a sin in my life, and Two times God has called me to fast for three days and have nothing except water. It did not kill me. As a matter of fact, one of my doctor's appointments and regular checkups was at the end of one of my fasts. And my lab work was the best it had ever been. Fasting today is recognized in secular culture as a healthy thing. Some of you may do intermittent fasting. You may be doing it to lose weight. But fasting is a spiritual discipline. I'm going to share something that I, I wrote uh, a few mornings ago. As I was studying and I was praying, and I, I pray it blesses you, because I used to think of fasting as something that was deprivation. I hope this helps you what I journal. Fasting is not just a deprivation of food and drink. It is a co-joining to God through prayer, fasting to the Lord, fastening, add an E, F-A-S-T-E-N-I-N-G. It is fastening to the Lord so intimately, so tightly, you don't have time for your, or your hands loose to reach for or grab the carnal, carnal things of the world. It may be deprivation of food, drink, TV, social media, but those things are all passing away, tainting, hurting. They'll be eliminated. 
So in reality, fasting from them opens the heart, mind, and soul to be fattened on the Holy Spirit. His word, his ways, his truth. Fasting unto the Lord is enriching. It's holy. It's healthy. Think of what all you get, obtain, become when you fast. It is a joyful morning with the Lord. Joyful because you have chosen to respond to the invitation to come to him and be filled with living water. Meaningful because you see with his eyes the sins of yourself and of the world for which you want to join him in intercession. Fasting. Years ago, I think 1999, I, I wrote this poem regarding fasting, and it was a prayer. I, I, I prayed, and I said, Father, I come to the open door, your open door. I throw myself upon the floor. Upon my knees, I fall at last. Is this your chosen way to fast? Fast in prayer a day with you, feeding on your thoughts anew. Then feed me, Lord, with manna now. Into your presence I come and bow. Fasting is a key to hearing the Holy Spirit because God sees you setting yourself apart from things of the world, from things that you might eat, from things that you might do because you hunger for him. Ministering while fasting. Now let's read, because we're going to see in verses 6 through 13 that they have been sent by the Holy Spirit. I hope you saw that. The Holy Spirit is the one who sent them forth. He had a job for them to do. And the church sent, it's a different word, it means they released them. They were losing two good members of their church that they turned loose of them so they could go do something else. There are so many sermons in each verse. We won't have time for them all, but do catch that. It was the Holy Spirit who sent them. And it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went, and then we see in verse, beginning with verse 6, it says, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Pathos, which was the capital city, so they have gone through the whole island of Patmos, and now they arrive at the capital city, and it was a hedonistic city. It was where there was flagrant uh, sexual uh, activity and ritual. Uh, you may think our culture is bad. It is not any different, or it's different in different ways. But it was immoral, this capital city of this island of Cyprus, Cyprus was. And we see, if you're able to see on the map, and I'm sorry it's a little bit too small, but you're able to see that they uh, traveled uh, years. I mean, not years. They traveled miles. They walked, I believe it was 130 miles from one end of Cyprus to the other end until they got here. And when they got there, they'd gone through the whole island and they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul. This is a Roman a high official, Sergius Paulus. Verse 7, we're told he's a man of intelligence. And the man summoned Paul and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But when Elimus the magician was opposing them, he was seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He was seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, 
which is his Gentile name, his Roman name that he is going to start using because he has turned from the Jews, Saul, and he is going to be turning to the Gentiles and using his Roman name, Paul. Note in verse 9, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him, this magician, this false prophet, and he said, verse 10, this is very important, you who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And friends, this word crooked in the Greek means distort, turn aside, oppose, plot against, pervert, corrupt. Is this not happening in our nature, in our nation right now? regarding gender identity, regarding things that are happening to children. It makes me sick. It hurts my heart. I mourn over it. I hope you do. Just Monday, January 23rd, there was an article written, even liberal parents feel villainized by schools socially transitioning their kids without consent. Both liberal and conservative parents said they felt villainized by their kids' school after educators socially transgendered their child's gender without their consent, making crooked the straight ways of the Lord. The straight ways of the Lord, God created them, male and female. The straight ways of the Lord, husband and wife. The straight ways of the Lord, parents, raise up your children, not the school. The straight ways of the Lord, children, honor your father and your mother. Are we seeing in our society today our culture trying to make crooked and sometimes successfully the straight ways of the Lord. We are. And that's why I want to just come up and give every single one of you a hug because you are here. You are here. You are being reminded in our crooked day of the straight ways of the Lord. So you can speak the straight ways of the Lord. You can live the straight ways of the Lord. We see Paul, who's God's prophet. We see Bar-Jesus, who was a false prophet. We're going to see that Paul, God's prophet, speaks the word of God, turns people to faith in Jesus. He is full of the Holy Spirit. He is the son. He speaks of the son of God. He is a friend of Jesus. And he makes crooked ways straight. Bar-Jesus, the false prophet. He, on the other hand, opposes the word of God, turns people from the faith, he is full, not of the Holy Spirit, of deceit and fraud. He is the son of the devil, and he is the enemy of all righteousness. And he makes the Lord's straight ways crooked. That this word be any more applicable to you and me today, to our homes, to our families, to our societies, it could not be any more, one, more to on spot. Friends, I've shared with you the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. There are different doctrines. That word doctrine, if you recall, it means teachings. And in this passage, we see where Satan, the doctrine of Satan, the teaching of Satan is exposed as it is from Genesis to Revelation. Satan prowls the earth, we're told in 1 Peter 5, 8, and is the prince of the power of the air, we're told in Ephesians 2, 2. So when you say, well, where is Satan? Is he just stuck down in some dark chasm somewhere? No, he is the prince of the power of the air, and he roams the earth. His names reveal his nature. Good news. He is defeated, but in the meantime, you and I will deal with him on a 
probably pretty regular basis. He is described in the Bible, this is only a few ways, as an adversary, the God of this world, the accuser of the brethren, an enemy. He is your enemy, an enemy of God. He is a tempter. He is the father of lies, as Paul points out here. He is a deceiver, and he is a murderer. Are we seeing an increase in our society and in our culture of all of these things? Lying, deceiving, murder, we are. So you and I are reminded of what's going on in our world so you and I can be reminded of the truth and stand firm like a Paul, like a Barnabas. As we look in Acts 13, 14 through 52, we are not going to be reading all of this. You've discussed it in your group. But we do see that Paul and Barnabas now go after the proconsul accepts Christ. We see, beginning in verse 14, how they set out to sea for Pethos and they come to Perga and Pamphylia. John leaves them. We'll be talking more about John Mark in, in the next few chapters. But verse 14, going on for Perga, they arrived at Pisidia Antioch, and on the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue, they sat down, you know, they were invited to give a word of encouragement, and again, I encourage you to look at your maps that are in the back of your books or Google map of Paul's first journey so you can see more clearly where they are going. But in Acts here, we see that Paul exhorts the Jews in the synagogue with good news and his basic points was God fulfilled his promise through Jesus. Through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Through Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from all things. Freed from all things. Free from the law. And then in verses 44 through 42, we see how when they so opposed, or how some of them believed and the whole city came out, it says in verse 44, the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord, verse 45. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, and this is a pivotal point in the gospel being proclaimed so that you and I who are non-Jews could have the opportunity to have this salvation that comes to us through the Jewish faith, that nation that God set apart. And so we see here that the Gentiles rejoiced, it says in verse 48, when they heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Let's go ahead and continue reading. You see that word again? But, isn't it just a bummer that there always has to be... <laughs> Have you ever been on a spiritual retreat? It was just the most wonderful thing, and you got back home, and... There was a, but something bad happened, but you're up here, things are going along great, and then there's a what, but there's always, there's always going to be, but in our lives, there's always going to be that, friends. And when we, when we look to God and we say, oh Lord, why can't it be just better? 
His answer is, it is. That's what heaven is. That's, what it, that's why he's made heaven, is so it will be better for all of us. We see this word in here, appointed to eternal life, and this leads us to the doctrine of election. And the doctrine of election is a very controversial doctrine among Christians. You will find wonderful Christians, leaders throughout the world, nation, from all generations who have one view on the doctrine of election and others have a totally different view on the doctrine of election. But Herbert Lockyer, I really respect him and I study, when I'm studying doctrines, him, I, I find him to be somebody that's very highly balanced. And regarding the doctrine of election, he says the divine order is foreknowledge, election, and predestination. Now, if you're not familiar with these words, then you may want to do a study on them uh, so that you can grow and deepen your understanding of the Word of God. The doctrine of election is a mystery to us. Ray Stedman says, our salvation involves a mysterious interaction between God's sovereignty and our responsibility, between God's election and our free will. But, as Lockyer is saying, that foreknowledge, the point that foreknowledge determines election or choice is clear from 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, he, Peter is writing, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Chosen according to the foreknowledge knowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace. And so Lockyer is saying that foreknowledge determines election or choice is clear. As you can see in 1 Peter 1, it's according to the foreknowledge of God. But predestination is the bringing to pass of the election. And we understand that as we delve into the scriptures and we read them and we study them. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, Paul writes and he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So the divine order that Lockyer is saying is foreknowledge. God has foreknowledge. He then elects, chooses, and those he chooses, he predestines. We, now, I encourage you, as I said, uh, that may have just gotten a little bit more muddy for you, but perhaps it helped you a little bit. Now, in verses 45 through 50, we have already read that. And we see such a contrast between the Jews and the Gentiles. And I'm drawing these contrasts between Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, and Mark Jesus, who was full of the deceitful spirit of Christ. And I'm doing it again for you, showing you the contrast between the Gentiles and the Jews, because you as a Christian live in contrast to our fallen world. I want you to be encouraged. I want us, I believe the Lord wants us to see the light and the darkness, the light and the darkness, so we will understand the tension that we feel in our lives. The Gentiles heard, they rejoiced, they glorified the Lord's word, they believed, they spread the word just like you. 
the Jews saw the crowds, were filled with jealousy, contradicted the word, just like Lord Jesus, blasphemed it, said it wasn't true, it wasn't the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what was being said, and even incited devout women and leading men to persecute Paul. Be careful, devout woman. Be careful, devout woman, before you jump on a bandwagon, before you join a cause. Be careful, devout woman. Spend time thinking, praying, ministering to the Lord, perhaps fasting before you jump on some even religious cause. Make sure you know what you're doing. This is a warning. They drove them out of town. We're going to close with these last two verses. It says in verse 51 and 52, they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were sad and brokenhearted and angry at how they had been treated. Is that what it said? No. Friends, if we are learners, if we are disciples of Christ, then we need to take notice. Our countenance is not dependent on other people. Our countenance is not dependent on other people. Would you say that with me? Our countenance is not dependent on other people. We are to be the light. Paul and Barnabas shook it off. And there may be times that you have spoken the truth and love to somebody. And they have come back to you angrily. You may just need to just shake it off. And understand that they are not a child of the Lord. And so they are not going to understand. Instead of going off and having a pity party because they weren't nice to you. We see that the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We see our takeaways that we can shake away off unholy instigations against us and we can choose to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Gals, we have a heavenly assignment. Now I close with this. You and I are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the metaphor that the Bible used. We are the bride of Christ. And he has said to us in Acts 1-8, all that I have, and he has said from the cross, all that I am, I give to you. I give you my love. I give you my power. I give you my joy. Are you, as his bride, mindfully living in his presence, fasting to him, ministering, mindful that it is before him you're doing? Are you walking in the good works God has set you apart for? just like Paul and Barnabas, and sent you out to do. As Christ's bride, he has set me apart to be here with you. He has set you apart for some area of service. He has set every single believer apart. It may be in your home with somebody who has Alzheimer's or is difficult to live with. It may be in a family situation with somebody who's an agnostic. But he has set you apart and he has sent you out. Acts 1-8, you will be my witnesses. What a glory. What a glory. Are you and I ministering to him? Because it's a privilege. <laughs> Father, 
I pray for a fresh anointing on my friends. I pray for a fresh enlightening that they are your bride. I pray they take seriously Ephesians 2.10, and if they don't know what that is, I pray they go home and look it up or write it down right now, Ephesians 2.10, that you have good works prepared for them to do. And, oh, Father, I pray that as they do them, they rejoice and fasten to you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about how to grow in Christ or to be saved, visit www.debbietaylorwilliams.com. Connect with me on Instagram at Debbie Taylor Williams. God bless you.